Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated, and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Molk, and today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as, for now, I program comedy venues, produce shows, and write at WTF Renaissance, at Born Lucky Prod, personally victimized by Regina George. Humans of Twitter is their stories in their words, in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's edition to the Humans of Twitter list, Angela Mary Claire. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. And it's lovely to, to have you on the podcast. Can you tell me, in social settings, how do you introduce yourself? Um, good question. I think I just generally say Ange. And then if mm. someone else is introducing me, there's always confusion. Is it Angela Mary Claire or Angela Thompson or Ange Thompson? Or I have a lot of names. So basically whatever <laughs> people want to call me is fine. Any combination of my four names. You would be in a few different situations where different names would be uh, the you know the normal the the known alias in that scenario that it wouldn't be in another. Yeah, that's true. Because I mean, not like you mentioned in your bio, you know, you you produce comedy venues, you do stuff, you also have your own comedic art project, um, uh, along with I'm sure you've got other things going on. <laughs> and in those contexts, there's a different Ange that turns up. Yeah, uh, I think people definitely with the WTF Renaissance stuff, the online stuff doesn't match the face at all and people get quite confused. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that's kind of when I, when I decided things were getting a bit weird and I connected the two accounts. So the WTF Renaissance one says that it's written by me because mm. people were really expecting like a team of dude comedians <laughs> and that's not what they were getting at all. Um, but there's, yeah, there's lots of people like to call each other by their fake, Facebook names in real life as well in comedy quite a bit as well. Yes. Um, and I'm not going to give you any examples because that defeats the whole point of people having a fake uh, Facebook name if everyone knows who it is. Um, but that happens quite a bit, which I quite like. The Now, I've possibly made a misnomer. You've said Renaissance. I said Renaissance. Should oh. we just call the whole thing off? <laughs> uh, I don't really know. I kind of alternate, which is confusing. Um but yeah, I say Renaissance, I think. Or Ren- no, I say Renaissance. I don't know what I say. I thought about it too much. <laughs> but I can spell it, so that's <laughs> that's the important bit. <laughs> how did how did this come about? Because it is I tripped over it on Twitter. It is delightful, and you've gone beyond the realms of the virtual into real life with this now as well, haven't you? Yeah, uh, I do tour exhibitions with it. Um, it got a bit boring, just like chucking out tweets. And hoping for the best. But it started um, in August 2014. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of my friends, uh, one of my flatmates or my closest friends had gone to Edinburgh Fringe and I was still in Melbourne and I was bored out of my mind. Um, and I was just tweeting a lot, like an insane amount, like intervention levels of Twitter. And... <laughs> Uh, and I thought, oh, well, I can't keep this up, like, on my personal account because I look like someone's going to start asking if I'm okay. And <laughs> <laughs> so I just tweeted. I tweeted one of them from my own account and it went crazy. Yeah. Like, it just went insane. And I thought, oh, well, that could have been, like, a fluke or I'm onto something here. So I started the account and um, I kept it separate to my own account for a long time, like over a year. And for the first maybe five months, 
only maybe four people knew that it was me. And so it was really interesting to see how it sort of blew up without mm. my assistance at all. It was really quite gratifying because <laughs> it was like people <laughs> people aren't like chucking this a favourite just to be nice because why would they? They don't know who it is. So sure. uh, yeah, within six days of me starting it, it was on the front page of the Huffington Post, which was quite nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that was exciting. But that, yeah, like I peaked, six days sure. peaked. All down. <laughs> <laughs> Look, the, the people have done worse. I, I can think of comedy careers that are living off that. Um, how do you explain it to people that don't know what it is? Oh my god! Um, I just say that it's paintings with captions, and they're like, yeah, it's like modern day captions. And then I try to give an example and it just doesn't work when you say it out loud. No. It has to be written down or else it's not even vaguely funny. You just sound like there's yes. something wrong with you. And so usually I will, if, if somebody is genuinely interested and is talking to me about it, I will just make them look it up because I can't read them out loud. It just doesn't, it just sounds stupid. So yes. <laughs> I'll be there like, get on your phone, go to Twitter. No, WTF. No underscore. <laughs> Murray. Yeah. Um, Renaissance is built like this. Yeah, which is quite fun. And now I just go go to my Twitter and it's in the bio. <laughs> it's easier. <laughs> and what response have you been getting from your now real life showings? Yeah. So I've done – how many have I done? This Melbourne Fringe will be the fifth one. Mm. Um, I've done – this will be the second Melbourne Fringe. I've done two Adelaide Fringes and I did – Perth's Fringe World for the first time this year. Um, and the reaction is amazing. Um, about 15,000 people came to set in Perth, wow. which was crazy. And it's free. I'm an idiot. I should, <laughs> I should be charging. <laughs> it cost me so much money. Um, but, yeah, like I hemorrhage money on it because it's free and like all the printing and registration and advertising and everything costs. But mm. it brings people into – for Perth, the venue that it was in was one I was programming. So it brings people into the venue, so it's worth it in that respect. Um, but the reactions to it are quite hilarious. Like the range of people that either get it and love it or yep. fucking hate it. <laughs> you cannot predict <laughs> what kind of person is going to hate it or love it. Um, but the people that hate it and don't get it at all are my absolute favourites, and especially like when it is a live exhibition, you can see their faces as they're reading it, which I do quite a bit because I don't know who it is. Um, so I creep around watching people, sure. and which is no no good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just the faces of people who are really confused and just don't understand—they're my favourites. I, I love them quite a bit. It's like good. I, I wish there were more people in the world who didn't understand memes. <laughs> I could imagine, and this may be stereotyping, but I could imagine that generally speaking, the people that don't get it are the same kind of dude bros and mansplainers that just exist in the internet. Yeah, actually, it's it tends to be, I really thought that it would be older people, but not just like didn't get it, but just didn't think it was funny. And quite some of them are mm. quite rude as well. But it's actually, it tends to be younger people, teenagers, like late teens, early 20s. If anyone's going to not get it and be really angry about the fact they don't get it, that's the demographic. And just like watching these gaggles of teenagers who are like, they think they know everything because that's, we all did when we were a teenager. Um, for them to stand there and just be like, what the hell is this shit? And take it really literally, which I love. Um, yes. They're my favourites. 
I, yeah, they're, they're great. The people watching is like the, now the whole reason I tour the exhibition, really. <laughs> <laughs> Just creeping on the people. <laughs> How do you sidestep uh, copyright issues in reproducing some of these paintings? There is none. The paintings are all well out of copyright. Um, yeah, most of the paintings I use are four to 600 years old. Um, so copyright doesn't really come into it, but with, um, technically speaking, yes, there is a copyright issue with the photographs of the paintings. Um, so anything that I have on sale, uh, cause I do merchandise rather unsuccessfully, but it exists. Um, (laughs) all of the photographs that I use for that are creative commons, uh, photographs. So, um, yeah. I'm very careful about what I use. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of a – if you find a great image of a, a painting, you'll be able to find what the painting is, like every reference for the painting itself, but nothing for the photo. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty careful when it comes to stuff on sale, but when it comes to just the Twitter account, I'm like, oh, I really – Yeah. It's just stuff there, right? That's just the fun things. Yeah. <laughs> Have you found any resistance – you may not have, but have you found any resistance in uh, the, the the move for you from being someone who's reasonably well known as a as a comedy producer and a venue producer uh, into someone who is now, you know, performing through this? Um, not to my face, <laughs> <laughs> but uh... no, that's fair. Passive aggressiveness lives big. <laughs> when it um. When I did the first exhibition, I still wasn't telling very many people that it was me. So mm. it just, I, I was like the producer and publicist of. Yes. And there were a few people that were kind of like, oh, well, you're getting heaps of media for them. Why can't you get lots of media coverage for me? And trying to gently explain that a, um, that a Twitter account with like a pretty – internationally accessible theme mm. is a bit easier to promote than a very niche stand-up show in a 30-seater at Adelaide Fringe. Like they're not – you can't compare them. They're not, yep. they're not the same thing. So – and plus I did nothing to get any promotion for WT Renaissance. It just happened. And that was kind of the point. It was really an exercise in seeing if it would snowball and how big it could get on its own without me doing anything. Um yep. So there was a little bit of that, but for the most part, people were just like, I always knew you had it in you. I'm like, oh, good. You knew I had memes in me. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> How very I mean 2016. <laughs> so, Ange, what makes a good comedy venue? What makes a good comedy venue? Um, yes. Good management would be number one. It has to be management that are willing to trust you to book acts that are good and not try yep. and interfere with lineups and content and promotion stuff like that. Um, and also a venue that is willing to go, okay, we're going to give you every Tuesday night from here until you get sick of it. Um, the biggest downfall I think with a lot of comedy venues is the managers will just go, oh, well, not, I know you've got like Wednesdays for comedy, but, you know, it's like my best mate's daughter's 21st, so we want to do a function because uh, um, we'll make yeah. a lot of money off that function and you're trying to explain, yes, but collectively, like we fill this room when it's empty every week. Yes. So, and consistency is key. If you start, like my room's on hiatus at the moment and bringing it back will be pushing a fucking stone uphill because 
consistency with weekly rooms mm. is key. People need to be able to show up. The rooms on the lineup's good. Um, so, yeah, good management and um, half-decent tech is always good. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. As the producer for a comedy venue then, I'm sure – you would be very friendly with a number of comedians and they would be keen to get on the bill and, and, and those sorts of things. I would imagine that uh, uh, there's a, a dark art to not only selecting the right lineup and, and making sure that there's opportunities for, you know, established as well as up and coming comedians to have a swing, but you would have to say no to some people that and I'm sure at times could be quite awkward. Um. Yeah, it's... um. So when I started, it was much harder um, mm. because I did more proper open mic, pay as you feel kind of rooms. Yep. Um, now it's a little bit different. Uh, I don't tend to get newcomers asking for spots quite as much, which just makes life a bit easier. But I think if you want to run a comedy room and you want to be a producer, you just have to accept the fact that there are going to be people out there who hate you. Like who hate you and yeah. if there's no, you can't please everyone and if you do, you won't be pleasing the audience. Like it's really a one or the other kind of situation Yeah. Um, because you can have a room that's got 30 people on the bill every night because you couldn't say no to everyone but the audience are going to leave and they're not going to come back. Um, so and most people are very understanding that, you know, it is for the benefit of everyone that the rooms are really solid, the audiences are happy, you know, and you work your way yeah. up to certain rooms. Um, and I think people have gotten a lot better at really understanding what level they're at as well. So that's good for everyone um, because there is no point putting a real newcomer on a lineup between like Celia Picola and Tom Ballard because then they're, they're probably not going to do well. They're going to feel shitty about it. The audience mm. isn't going to feel great. The person after them is going to have a rough time. So, yeah, you just have to – I'm quite protective over my room as well. So there's no kind of – I won't give someone a gig just for the sake of um, not hurting their feelings. <laughs> but <laughs> at the same time, you've got to be, you know, not nice. <laughs> That's why the Imperial is great because on Tuesday nights we have a ticketed um, kind of like higher level room and then Wednesday yes. nights we have a sign-up on the night open mic so we can really accommodate everyone, which is really great. Yeah. Do you find that there are rooms that work better for some comedians or that like this specific venue is, it tends to be themed this way, so these kinds of comics will work better in it than others? Um, yeah, there are a couple of rooms that tend to have like a bit of a style rather than a theme, I guess. Um, mm. But... There used to be kind of like some more kind of rooms where it was all new material or sketch, like a real focus on sketch comedy and things yep. like that. And that kind of seems to have gone by the wayside just a little bit, which is a bit of a shame. I think there's definitely room for a monthly sketch room. I think that would be so great. I should probably just do that rather than waiting for someone <laughs> else to do it. <laughs> Hang on a minute. I've had an idea. Um yeah, and there de definitely tends to be like little circles of people who, who do little groups of rooms. But I think that that's like a lot of people get like accused Melbourne comedy of having like these real cliques and everything. I think people do yep. confuse cliques with friends. Like, <laughs> yeah, you want to hang out with yep. your friends 
at the thing that you have in common. Like that makes sense. It doesn't necessarily mean it's like a, you know, alienating other people kind of clique, but whatever, that's a whole other can of worms, I guess. Yeah, I would imagine that it is. <laughs> so then in a crisis or an argument, are you fight or flight? Depends on the argument, really. Um, in a crisis, um, flight. What am I talking about? Flight con- all the time. <laughs> it's, 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 like, in, um, and this is like, this sounds like quite a harrowing story. So let me just prefix this by saying I'm fine. Um, but I, in during Perth Fringe this year, I got mm-hmm. jumped by a bunch of teenagers on the straight and they beat me up. I'm absolutely fine. Went to hospital. All good. Like absolutely fine. Yeah, like totally fine. Um, We didn't tell anyone for weeks because I didn't want anyone like fussing. And um, but yeah, like it was like literally a group of teenagers. The oldest one was 14, so that's pretty cool. Um, One o'clock in the morning, (laughs) jumped me, and I know now that because I always thought like, nah, I'd hit them back. I could definitely nah. No, like I treated a group of teenagers like you're supposed to treat a bear. Like I just lay on the (laughs) ground, curled up in a ball, which is – I didn't even try and run away. Like, (laughs) So I know now, like I'm I'm just a light out on the ground kind of girl. Like that's just just – and then shouting, lots of shouting. Um, Apparently I can shout very loud, so that's my defence now. I know that. That's my thing. That's what I do. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I don't have to wonder about that anymore, like – I, ex- I know exactly what happens uh, if I'm a victim of street crime. <laughs> oh, Edge. Gosh. Now, I know you've you've made a lot of effort to say that you're okay and everything's okay, but are you okay? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm fine. So, Edge, what was school like for you? Um, well, I grew up in Devonport, Tasmania, mm, which is... I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, for anyone who doesn't know... Uh, like a little 20, I think it's like 25, it was 20, about 25,000 when I was growing up, coastal town. It's like the Spirit of Tasmania docks. Um, and it was like for such a tiny, quite rural area, I was essentially a city kid. Like we lived re- like two blocks away from the mall. So lots of my friends like lived on farms and like quite rural yep. areas, but we were, the, we were the city kids in a tiny town, which is a bit of a weird um, yeah, a bit weird, but, uh, it was good. Like we had, I lived really close to all my schools. So I was like, like the typical kind of small town walking to school with your mates kind of thing. Um, nothing particularly, like there was nothing particularly, you know, outstanding about, <laughs> about any of the schools I went to. Um, Denver, I was a bit rough in retrospect. I didn't realize at the time, but mm-hmm. You find out afterwards when you talk to other people about their schools, like, oh, wait, you guys didn't have bomb threats at your school? What? You always seen part of the lockers? That's bizarre. What kind of fancy-ass school did you guys go to? Uh, But, yeah, it was just, like, pretty typical Tasmanian, I guess. Typical Tasmanian bomb threats. What? (laughs) They didn't have very often. Um, But for the most part, it was lovely. Like, it was, you know, Tassie's beautiful and it's – Got a terrible reputation for no real reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this conversation isn't going to help it. Yeah, I don't know why I opened with bomb threats. Idiot. <laughs> this is why I applied for a job with Tourism Tasmania once in marketing. Didn't get it. I'm starting to see their point. 
<laughs> There's only so much that bins shaped like penguins can do. Exactly, right? I love penguin. It's just the weirdest novelty town of all time. <laughs> it's so great. It is amazing. Are you doing then what Year 11 Ange thought she'd be doing? No, nah, no way. Year 11 Ange thought she'd be an art teacher or a lawyer. Um, Year 11 Ange didn't even know this job existed in any capacity. Like when I, I would have thought the word producer would have meant music producer to me um, mm. for sure. Um, yeah, like I don't even know. Like there was a no point where I thought, I want to be a comedy producer. Like even when I started doing it, I was like, oh, this will do for the minute. <laughs> it's never, <laughs> never, well, I've never really had like these major aspirations to do anything. It's just kind of been like, what yeah. have I fallen into now? Oh, this is pretty good. Oh, I'm sick of that. What's next? Um, <laughs> but this is the longest I've been in any one job for. So maybe I've found my, found my thing. I'd say so, given that you seem to enjoy it and people enjoy the thing that you do. I hope so. I can't really be bothered learning another thing. <laughs> I like the thing I like about comedy that like comedy producing is though you like there is always something more to learn. There's never yeah. I don't think anyone's ever gone, Okay, well I've nailed this, like I'm on it and the people that have done that are kind of shit. So uh there's always something new to figure out there's new festivals to learn about there's new people to meet there's new projects to work on there's mm, yeah um there's always something new happening where other jobs i've had that you kind of reach that plateau bit where it's like Ugh. i feel like i've kind of peaked and i'm not learning anything so i'm bored with this i don't see myself getting bored with for quite a while frustrated with driven insane by sure, sure but not bored with <laughs> what's the craziest thing you've seen on stage Oh boy. Um, well, this was actually during a rehearsal and it was mm-hmm. a lot of why it was brilliant came with the story around it. Um, so there's a bit of backstory, but I'll tell you. Um, when Fancy Boy <laughs> started, uh, for anyone who doesn't yes. know, Fancy Boy was like an insane, um, well, is, I should say, a very insane, like, parody showcase show where so all the acts were played by a core cast of four people. Yes. Um, it was hosted by Stuart Dolman and it was just ridiculous, chaotic, brilliant film. Um, it remains one of the best shows I've ever seen. Um, but when it started, uh, they did their first run at the Imperial. They've done a couple of runs at the Imperial, but this was the very first one. And originally I'd booked Greg Larson to do a solo show. And I get a call yes. from him saying, um, I know I said I was doing a solo show, but it's okay if I do a sketch show. And I said, you do you, man. Like, <laughs> whatever whatever you want to do. It's your, it's fine. It's, you know, <laughs> I think they had like six nights or something. Um, whatever you want to do, go for it. And he said, oh, is it all right if I, you know, work with these people? I'm like, you don't need to ask. That's like, do it. Go ahead. And then on the day before the festival started, uh, this is for Comedy Festival 2014, I think. Yeah. Um, I walked in while they were doing a dress rehearsal and I hadn't seen any of the show. I had no idea what was going on. I didn't even really know who the cast members were. Like, <laughs> and I, I wasn't producing them or anything. I was just venue managing for, for that. Yeah. And I walked in as they were doing one of the sketches that anyone who has seen the show will recognise from the sentence, the baby's got a boner. Now, 
I walked in on the line, the baby's got a boner, and just stood there like silently laughing so hard. I was the only person in the room not on the stage and standing up the back in the dark. They didn't realise I was there. And then Greg Larson clocked me in the back of the room and was just shouting at everyone, <laughs> shut it down, <laughs> just get a cancel of the show, shut it down, shut it down. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 like I'm not here to censor your show. And also that was hilarious. I can't wait to see what else you've got. And the rest of the show didn't disappoint. Like it was just brilliant. But it was the funniest little teaser of this, what was going to end up being one of the most chaotic brilliant shows that we've ever had so yeah it was shut it down and just gonna cancel the show <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what kind of comedy dictatorship they thought i was writing <laughs> oh goodness but yeah oh. pretty funny <laughs> there, there seems to be a, a bit of a resurgence in uh you know, comedy sketch slash variety stuff of late. You know, we, we, we've we gone through a really serious period of traditional stand-up and that's still very strong. Uh, but with, the, you know, like the Fancy Boy, Artie Donna, uh, the True Australian Patriots, there's a lot more of that that's starting to come to the fore, isn't there? Yeah, uh, I think it's kind Even of always with Lewis. been around. But I think the difference now is the standard is hot, very high. Um, yep. And there is something to... There's like an attainable goal now with um, ABC's like really strong comedy program um, and, you know, the opportunity to like go insane on YouTube and things like that. Mm. Um, and also the the people doing it for some of those examples, so like Fancy Boy and um, Trish Shining Patriots, um, collections of really strong stand-ups working together, um, which yeah. is a bit different from I think the kind of, background in impro and uni review kind of sketch groups. Um, yeah, I'm not – it's it's really good. Uh, why, 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 why ever? That, it's not a, not a word. Um, <laughs> for whatever reason that it's happening, um, it's, mm-hmm. it's great. And it's such a nice thing to go to a comedy room and have the stand-ups really broken up by little sketch groups and weird things happening. And also solo sketch has kind of taken off a little bit more um, – which is great to see as well. Yes. I'm oh, sorry. I, I was just <laughs> caught myself daydreaming about seeing some of these people on stage or, or the stuff that I've seen of them performing because I haven't seen too many of them in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, like just I remember seeing some footage of Cal Wilson in character um, that I can't remember where the character first got life. Oh, it was a... Uh, are you talking oh. about Adele? Yes. It's the shelf. Yeah, that's a Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm that, not sure that's where Adele's got Adele. real life. Um, but, yeah, ask Adele. Um, I'm not sure if that character started at the shelf, but I have a feeling that it did. Uh, and mm. I think she does, like, nearly every season now. Um, and you can ask her questions on Twitter <laughs> that she reads out and answers. It's so and good. it's so – I can't actually cope with it. Like, it just makes me laugh. <laughs> An embarrassing amount, and I love I love Cal, and I love her stand up. But there is just something about that fucking voice she does that just <laughs> oh God, I'm gonna have a little cry just thinking about it. It's so funny. It's so great. And the overalls, those bloody overalls, oh. <laughs> and the neck brace. It's mm. it's a whole thing. 
It's a whole thing. People, check it out. You need to try and find an opportunity to see Cal Wilson be Adele. It is amazing. Yeah, it is brilliant. The shelf. Uh, I'm not sure when the next season will be. Might be in a comedy. Who knows? The They've both year. moved to Sydney. Yeah. Bloody Adam. Devastating. Justin. I've got no one to go to the cinema with. <laughs> What's the most dangerous thing you've ever done? Hmm. Walking home on my own on the street in Perth at one o'clock in the morning? No. Um, what is the most dangerous thing I've ever done? Um, I don't know. That's a really good question and I'm not sure. Uh, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty like overly safe, anxious person quite often. Um, I'm always the one at parties. Like, going, how's everyone getting home? Like that kind of <laughs> killjoy. Hang on. That's, there's a word for that. Uh, <laughs> No, I don't know. Um, it'll probably be something really stupid, like crossing the road with my headphones on, you know, or something like that. Like it's nothing. There's no like oh, I've been skydiving. No, I haven't um, done anything. Like I don't know. Um, probably involves Southeast Asian street food or something. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. No, that could be. I could see how that would be dangerous if for nothing else, your bowels. <laughs> yeah, my very delicate constitution. Um, and I would recommend not eating prawns in Phnom Penh. Uh, enough about that. Yeah, that, that's a, a reasonable <laughs> full stop. <laughs> what are you going to achieve in the next 12 months? Uh, greatness, I can only assume. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I think I'm, uh, I'm toying with the idea of either like wrapping up WTF Renaissance Mm. Um, or turning it into a very ambitious multimedia exhibition. Excellent, yes. Um, so, which will be less, it will be more like animations and, uh, well, not more animations. There are currently no animations. So it will be well, <laughs> animations and projections. And like I, the original huge plan I have for it even involves like live action, like it's, Insanity. It's going to cost a pretty huge amount of money. But uh, <laughs> just have Whistler's mother rocking in the corner with <laughs> yeah, a little caption. Um, yeah. And, yeah, but then I'd get like 50,000 tweets going, that's not Renaissance. Oh, my God. Mm, um, people are very tedious sometimes. <laughs> Give it a couple hundred years, it will be. Yeah, exactly. Um, what else am I going to do? I don't know. I, I would really like to spend a bit more time in Perth working on mm. a few more projects over there. Um. Um, probably just work more. I'm on holidays at the moment. I don't really know what to do with myself. <laughs> so no holidays. That's going to be the plan. Oh, I am going on a cruise though. So that will be fun. <laughs> Excellent. Where are we cruising to? I'm not sure yet. My dad's organizing it. Um, so that's, yeah, the glamorous showbiz lifestyle, uh, that, going on a cruise with your dad. Really dangerous. <laughs> I know I'm on living on the edge. You could be lowering the average age of that cruise to 62. <laughs> I'm excited about seeing what comedy is on the cruise, though, because Dad did one this year. Yeah. And the com- I'd never heard of any of the comedians, but they all had, like, a name like Screamin' Joe something or other. And, like, Ooh. yeah. Um, lips, the names all sounded like Southern American musicians, not comedians. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be great. Apparently everything's like all you can eat, which is like the dream. Oh, it's dangerous. <laughs> uh, 
and buy the drink package before you go, and that which is what most bogans do when they go cruising. Exactly. Then it's both eat all you can and drink all you can. Hell yeah. And drink only in a street like even if I don't like it, figure out what the most expensive thing at the bar is and just drink that. It's gonna be gross. There'll be, there'll be loopholes. They'll have loopholes for sure. Loopholes. <laughs> Ange, thank you so much for the chance to speak with you today. I I want you to know the things you've said today are very special and you're highly valued. Thank you. Thank you very much. Very clearly you are on the Twitter. Uh, Is there any other social accounts, dare I say, you'd like to promote? Um, Sure. So WTF Renaissance. Yes. Just WTF Renaissance. Uh, That's on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And my personal Twitter account is Ange Mary Claire, which is mostly full of stories about food and shoes. All valid things. <laughs> yes, very. This has been Humans of Twitter, and I can confirm that at Ange Mary Claire is indeed human <laughs> and likes food and shoes. Definitely. My favourite thing.